just really, really happy to have you guys be here tonight to hear this second uh, message in the series that I'm doing, What's in a Name? Um, I kind of talked to you last week about what this series was, is the idea that there are some names that God uses to describe himself that really kind of reveal his character. And there's also names that God would call us that kind of reveals the love and the compassion and the concern that he has for us. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this message. So this is the second in that series. And uh, I mentioned last week the fact that my name, Deborah, means bringer of peace, queen, queen bee, one of those things. So um, I'm married to a, a man named John, and there's many Johns out there, but that name means God is gracious. I have a daughter named Shelby, which honestly kind of weird. It says, from the Manor House Willow Farm. So Shelby, if you've always liked willow trees, I guess that's true. She always has, so maybe that's something. And Cameron kind of mentioned one time before that his name actually means crooked nose. So I don't know. You know, I was kind of thinking about the name thing, and I was thinking, you know, when we named our kids, we just kind of named the things we liked. You know, I didn't really, like, go back and, like, look at all the things like that. But, you know, um, John actually named our daughter Shelby, and it was because we always did love Shelby Mustangs and always had Mustangs and, and one of those things, and he always figured he could never afford a Shelby, so he would name his daughter Shelby. Well, she'd probably end up costing us way more than a Shelby would cost, <laughs> but that's okay. And uh, I actually named Cameron. Cameron's name was supposed to be something totally different. And then three times while I was in labor, I saw the name Cameron, which I was in labor for like 24 hours. So I had plenty of time to watch television. Uh, three Stooges was playing quite a bit. Thankfully, I didn't name him Shem or, you know, or, you know something like that. It would have been worse. But uh, instead named him Cameron. And uh, so God is gracious, though, because his first name is John. But, you know, I, was, I never really looked at the meanings behind them. I just kind of liked their names. So, you know, if you see my daughter, you can say, hey, willow tree. And you can say, hey, crooked nose. And, or not. So, I, like I said, I wanted to do this message series because I really think what happens is a lot of times we, as followers of God, we kind of get wrapped up in this world, and we see what the world does to us. It makes us really feel beat down and kind of defeated sometimes. And I really wanted this message to be one that you guys would hear that you would recognize and be encouraged of how much God loves and cares for you and desires to really show you that through his words. A pastor's job is actually to correct, rebuke, and encourage. And I think that this message series, one of the things I wanted it to be is that it would really be an encouragement to you, that you would walk away feeling as though you're loved. Um, God, like I said, he uses some words to describe himself and I think that really kind of shows us that he's not some generic old man in the sky that's so distant and so removed from us, but instead he's a God that actually cares about us. And we talked last week the fact that he's um, our provider, that he is our banner, that he's our healer and he's our peace. And those things really that we can see that God is out there, he he wants to give us the things that we desire. He's He's a good God. He also will fight for us, and he's also willing to help and heal us when we're going through tough times, and he also gives us this peace that passes all understanding. You know, the idea that we can go through a battle and we can see how we we possibly can't make it, and God just has this stillness, this calmness inside of us to make us have peace. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about a few of the names that God calls us. And like I said last week, there's so little time that I really don't have a lot of time to tell you all the names, because that's why it's so great about reading the Bible for yourself, is you get those little nuggets of, of like amazement when you see what God calls you. But I have a few that I wanted to kind of go over with you tonight. 
Um, and I, hopefully you will leave believing that you are loved way more than you ever realized. Well, one of the big things that happens when you have a baby, right off the bat, is everyone starts asking you the question, what are you naming it? What are you going to name the baby? What did you name the baby? And we all know we do the same thing. We hear someone had a baby, we say, what was the name? We want to know. And we're excited to tell everybody about this little person that came into this world. And so we send out announcements. We tell the, everybody what, what the name is for this little baby. And, you know, when we kind of look at the names, we kind of say that, you know, like I said, I really didn't look at the names. We definitely wanted a name that was going to continue. Um, John, we wanted that because my husband's dad's, our husband's dad's was John Russell Graper. And John was a John Russell Graper Jr., but when I named Cameron, I didn't want to name him John or Russell. So I said, well, let's still first name him John. So Cameron's first name is John Cameron Graper. And then when Cameron named his son, he went with the first name too, John Silas Graper. And he goes by his middle name. So it's one of those things that I did want that to be. You know, our daughter, I wanted the, the middle name to be something meaningful. So I did give her my middle name. So there was something there, Anne. And, you know, it's one of those things that we do a lot of times. When we think about these names, we think, what do we want to name our child? Some might give a family name, like I said, with John. It was that way with us. Some might just give a name that you've always kind of liked. You just liked it. It always sounded good to you. Um, some purposely will give a name that really goes well with your last name, you know, because you don't want some weird you know, thing where it's like weird syllables and, you know, everybody kind of like tries to write it a few times and see if it makes sense. And, you know, some of us give names to our kids really out of a fond memory of somebody. And that's why my daughter named um, her youngest daughter Maxine is because it was my, um, my husband's grandma. And she was really one of the first people who really was a, a strong believer in Christ. And so it was like a, a namesake that we wanted to uh, follow up with. Well, some of us give names that we would consider normal. You know, like Ruth, Sam, Bob, John. And then there's others that really just give unusual, crazy names. And I'm going to go through a few of them. Um, like Kim and Kanye, who named their daughters North. Chicago and their son, Saint. Um, Bear Grylls, who actually named his son Huckleberry, which you don't hear very often. I mean, Huckleberry Hound is, is quite the only time I've ever heard that name, really. Huckleberry Finn, that kind of thing. Um, Penn Gillette, he actually named his daughter Moxie Crime Fighter. So, quite interesting, Moxie Crime Fighter. George Foreman, the boxer, he had five sons, and he named every son <laughs> George Foreman Jr. <laughs> so, everyone has the same namesake, and he does have little names that he calls each one himself, but officially on the birth announcement and the birth certificates that all says George Foreman Jr. So, and then there's those people that are just messing with their kids' futures, just messing with the kids' minds. And named, um, you believe this or not, there are people named these names. Facebook. Yes, someone actually named their child Facebook. Um, hashtag. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Um, Donald Duck. Donald Duck, Dill Pickle, yes, D-Y-L, makes sense, Dylan Pickle, Dill Pickle, um, Jim Shorts, the guy was actually a PE teacher, no lie, um, 
Jedi Knight. Jedi Knight. That's pretty hardcore. You have to say, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. And then you have a guy that his last name was Air, and he decided to name his son Billion. Billion Air. So they said it remains to be seen whether or not this guy does become a billionaire. But so far he's like 16 and he's doing pretty well for himself. People like him, so that's good. And then there's this very unusual name. Somebody that, you know, these parents really wanted to prove a point every time this guy said his name. His name was Nicholas, unless Jesus Christ had died for thee, thou hast been damned, Barbin. (laughs) Honest to God. Can you imagine saying that's your name to every single person? Unless Jesus Christ had died for thee, thou hast been damned, Barbin. Wow. Um, Actually, his dad's name was, um, praise God, Barbin. So I guess it kind of makes sense. They really wanted to prove a point, you know, definitely. But, you know, the thing is not everybody takes their names that they name their kids seriously. Some take it very serious. But, you know, it is a pretty daunting task. It really is kind of daunting when you think about it. You give this name to this child, and this child will carry that name to the day they die. They're going to have to repeat that name over and over again. Every time they go out and play with their kids, the friends next to them in the yards, they're going to have those people call their name. In school, it's going to be, yes, so-and-so, and it's always going to be there. It's going to be a reminder. So they're going to carry this name with them until the day that they die. And then what happens is we engrave a name on a tombstone. So that name sticks with them from beginning to end and even carries on. A lot of times what happens is people don't even remember the person. But when you walk through a graveyard or or stuff, you'll see the tombstones that say a name. And all it says is the name, when they came into this world and when they left it. So names are pretty important. I think it's something that we don't really think about sometimes. You know, maybe, you, maybe you've kind of looked into what your name meant. Uh, maybe when you went to name your kids, you really wanted it to be a, a really meaningful thing. Or, you know, maybe to you it was just something that you liked. But, you know, our names are really meaningful. They have meaning to them. You know, names are important to us and they're important to God. And in the Bible, names are never just names. God always is trying to teach us something or tell us something about the person when he talks about a name. Um, In the very beginning, Adam, the very first man that was formed from the dust of the ground, actually his name, Adam, means ground. And then Adam had the task of naming all the animals to give them all a name. And he, you know, bring them out and he said, duckbill platypus and giraffe and, you know, zebra, kitty cat, you know. (laughs) This is what he did, you know? So pretty cool. And then Adam is the only man that had the honor of naming his own wife. Naming her Eve, which meant life. Now, I'm sure some of you guys have given your wives names before, but I want you to know this is a legitimate name and a kind name. So you guys are thinking, no, no, I've given that. No, no, that doesn't count. So good names. But, you know, we, we see throughout the Bible that there are names of people that God used, and we see the correlation that God was trying to, to prove a point with and what he was trying to accomplish in the Bible. We have those that, you know, had um, names turned in from Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many, um, mo- many nations, and Sarai, his wife, to Sarah, which meant the mother of nations, and Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter. So we see these different names that it was because this person was a certain way before and then afterwards when God had a mission for them and they fulfilled it or were going to, he gives them a different name. 
And I think the most meaningful name of all, of course, is the name that God gave to Mary and Joseph when they were going to name their son, which was Jesus, which means salvation. The most meaningful name, I mean, obviously we sang about it tonight, the name above all names, the best name, the most glorious name. In Matthew one twenty one, it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God chose name Jesus, the name above all names, like I said, which is a name that directly describes the life's purpose of his son, which is to save people from eternal death. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to die in our place. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how does God save us? Obviously, by stepping in our place. You know, we, we all are going to be sinners. We're all sinners. None of us are going to live a perfect life. Only the perfect man that's walked this earth could ever be sacrificed, the blood sacrificed, in our place so that we can reach heaven someday. I really want you to grasp that. Because I think what happens is we have this really big disconnect, I think, sometimes. I think when we come to church, what happens is a lot of times we, we have this disconnect of thinking, yeah, Jesus died for people. But you need to understand, Jesus died for you. For you. And that's one of the reasons why I think this message is important, because I think we sometimes don't stop and think and make it personal. We don't personalize it. When Jesus was on that cross, he's there in your place. He was there to die for you. Not just to die for mankind. Not just to die for your neighbor, your wife, your brother. He was there to die for you. For the sins that you were going to commit. The sins that were always going to be committed from the beginning to the end of time. Well, I think if you accept that and you understand salvation, you understand what he did for you, then obviously, you know, you, you believe the idea that God has a plan for you, that Jesus saved you, that God the Father sent him, and that God would give us a name also. I think you see, he can name Jesus, salvation. He's going to have names for us also to prove the love that he has for us, the, the sacrifice he's made for us. He has labels that are going to actually describe the deep relationship that he has with each of us that he saved. One, we kind of sang about already, one is that he calls us his children. You know, we have this, like I said, this disconnect of this God, you know, this holy God. But he says that we get to call him Father, that we are his children. Now, that was mind-blowing to me. I, I love that. You know, it's, it's one of the ideas, is the fact that he gives us this new identity. You know, that before we were actually considered illegitimate, but he gives us legitimacy through God the Father. It's kind of like when we all become followers of God. You know, if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, then he kind of what he does is he gives us a new last name. You know, where my name might be Deb Graper before, when I got saved, my name became Debbie Christ, Jesus Christ, you know, John Christ, you know, Bobby Christ, you know, it's Julie Christ. This is, this is what he does. He gives us this idea that we belong in a family together, that we're all one, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and he is our father. And when, he, when we do that, what he does is he says, you're welcomed into this family of God. 
And then he also says, because of that, you have an inheritance that waits for you. You have heaven. You have a promise that there's something more going to be there. You know, what happens a lot of times when people die is the family goes through and they try to figure out what is their inheritance? What is going to be left behind in the family? What kind of treasures are there going to be? Well, God gives us the greatest treasure of all. And that's the idea that we get to walk hand in hand with him in heaven someday. Well, John 1.12 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So he's our father now. We're adopted into God's family. Now, I don't know what you came from, what kind of childhood you had, if you have a, a great father, or if you've had not so great of a father. But I think what that does is it kind of shows us that God gives us this opportunity of really feeling secure, loved, appreciated. I didn't grow up with that. I didn't have that. I didn't have a dad that was loving. I didn't have a a dad that actually was kind. Um, He was just basically missing most of my life. And I think when I look at God the Father, and really now I can call him Father, it just surprises me so much the love I have for him because I grew up always wishing I had that. You know, I, I think it's great when I hear stories of people who have wonderful dads. I mean, I just think, how, how great to have that. I went over to my friend's house when she was young, and I would watch her just, just crawl up on her dad's lap. And I would just be looking at her and thinking, I can't imagine. I can't imagine having someone that loved me that much that you could just jump up on his lap. That just surprised me. And I was always so hungry for that. Always so hungry for the idea that I would have a dad that loved me that much. And he does. See, the thing is, I needed to come to the real father. And then I recognized how good God is, that he loved me, that he cared for me, that he always was there for me. I just didn't realize it at the time. You know, we have a father who watches over us who pays attention to us. He's not so busy that he can't give us the time of day. He's involved. He's a parent that watches what we do. He's a parent that knows what we need really before we even ask. He gives us so much. A lot of times we think we want more, more, more. But he gives us so many great things. You dads out there, I'm telling you one thing. I grew up without a dad. I'm just going to challenge you. Keep just constantly going those kids and just pour love all over them. They need it so much, you know? It is important, guys. Especially guys, as you have daughters, a lot of times what happens, you get that weird moment in their life where they start to develop, and then you start to feel weird, like maybe you shouldn't hug them. That's when they need it the most. They need you to show them love. They need to show you that, you, that you're there for them. They need to feel that love. Don't pull back, ever. Always keep going to them. But the thing is, we have a God that's so interested in us. He's our protector. He's our provider. It's a real father relationship. This God who really just is there for us at all times. All he says is that you just as soon as you whisper his name, he's right there if we have a relationship with him. Galatians 3.26 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's so meaningful. 
the idea that we are children of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He says, I'm holy. Walk away from that stuff. Come to me. I'm here for you. I'm a holy God. Come close. You're considered now sons and daughters. Like I said, this is so important to me. That I was welcomed into this family, that I had a father. One of the reasons why it's so meaningful to me is because my dad didn't come to the hospital and claim me. My birth certificate says, father legally omitted. My dad did not go to pick me up. But you know what? The day that I accepted Jesus, now my birth certificate says, Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth is what it says. So I traded the best, I mean, I traded the worst, really, that I could have to the best. God is so good to us. I want you to grasp that. I I don't know. I I feel like there's so many people that walk into these buildings and and they feel this this, this worship that we're doing and they don't really recognize how much God loves them. How much God desires to help them through their battles. How much he wants to be there to protect them. And he wants to call you sons and daughters. That means a relationship that's so close that you honestly could jump into God's lap and give him a kiss, tell him you love him. God is just so good to us. God also tells us that we're valuable. And I think there's so many people walking around that don't think that they have any value or worth. You know, if you believe that you are royalty, a son or daughter of the king, you're going to have a whole different way of looking at your life. You're going to think that you have something more that should be offered to you. You don't accept crumbs no more. You expect the best. You know, the thing is, as women, we aren't going to let some hillbilly, breadneck loser get with us. What we're going to do is we're going to say, no, no. I'm a daughter of the king. I am royalty. And you don't just run up and grab at me. I'm valuable. I'm worthy is what we do. Men, you have a father that's there for you at all costs. If you're going through a battle where you don't know if you have enough to offer, he says that you are his son. He says you're valuable to him. Luke 12, 6 and 7 says, What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Think about that. When I started reading the Bible, I started realizing that God knows the hairs of my head. How many are there? And I got thick, thick hair. I got a lot of hair. And I lose a lot of hair or something, and there's some angel up there just (laughs) trying to keep track. But, you know, that's how close he is. That's how involved he is. So when we think that sometimes we're hiding from God, when we feel like we're not good enough, when we shrink back, we think that God's not there. You know, we can hide from him. We can't hide from him. He's a God that loves us. It's like he's the ultimate, like, curfew watcher. (laughs) He's there waiting. When you coming home? What you doing? You know, the thing is, he's also there to say, you know, did you fall down? I need to help you. Like, let me help you up. Let me show you that you're loved. But when you start to see yourself as as valuable as God sees you, 
man, you are going to start to expect so much better for yourself. You're going to see as you're someone that's worth waiting for. You're going to see that you deserve better in this life. You know, there's so many people that are treated poorly by people in their lives. You know, if you're a son and daughter of God, he doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to look at your life that you are valuable and that you deserve much more than that. Look for someone who is going to have that same mentality, that same idea of wanting to show love and compassion and gentleness to you, not someone who treats you badly, says nasty things, calls you out, says hurtful words to you. You deserve better than that. One of the things that really spoke to me when I started reading God's word is this scripture. Psalm 56, 8, it says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. I remember reading that. Guys, when I read it, I couldn't get over it. I know what it was like being a kid, seven and eight years old, having a nightmare, being afraid, being by myself, having no one, crying. When I read that, I went back and thought, wow, he's collecting my tears in a bottle. He was there so much that he noticed everything that I was going through. He was always there. He always cared. Even though I might not have known him, he was there to watch me. When you think about that, that he collects our tears in a bottle. A bottle, which makes you wonder. It's like one big bottle. And guess who's else, whose tears are there? It's Jesus's. Jesus, Jesus wept. So Jesus' tears are mingled with our tears. Isn't that amazing when you think of that? Like I said, this is a God that's so personal. This is a God that's so real and so genuine. You know, I talk to God like he is honestly just like he's my best friend. I, like I said, I probably tell him 40 times a day I love him. And I do. I love him so much. I'm blown away by the love he showed me, the compassion that he showed me, the welcoming, even though I went so far away from him, that he would still say, come back, come back. And if you today are anywhere way, like you feel you're too far away, I want you to know that's never God's nature to say, stay away. It's always to come close. He always beckons us to come close, to crawl up in his lap and tell him you love him. This God loves and cares for us so much. He misses nothing. He misses nothing. He loves us so much, and we mean everything to him. I hope that encourages you. One of the things the Bible says, it says he delights in us. Delights. I've watched Cameron when he sees Silas, when he delights in him. It amazes me to think that that's what God does when he sees me. Not just because I'm old, he still delights in me. He sees when I fail, he says, you know what, I still delight in you. You're still my daughter. The other thing he calls us, he calls us his prized possession. James 1, 16 through 18 says, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. Out of all creation, we are his prized possession. You think about the beauty, the things that are out there in this world. 
All the things that God created, all the things that he's, he's done. He's created the seas that are beautiful. He's created these amazing mountains, these amazing meadows, these beautiful animals. Yet we're his prized possession. He loves us so much that we're prized. I know you guys have prized possessions. I'm sure you have a few. Things that you think I can't live without. I have a few. Obviously, as my, my, my kids' pictures and videos, those are prized possessions to me. But one of the things that really means a lot to me is I have a, a picture that I've kept for years, and it was one of the things that only survived um, a fire that we had when I was a kid. And it says, Jesus loves Deborah. And it's a picture of me when I was about six years old, right before probably my mom died, that there's a picture of me with that saying, And out of all the things that didn't make it, that made it. That's a prized possession to me. I will always value that picture. Because to me, what it was, is I think it was God just showing me that he he loved me and he was there for me then. All the things that I did wrong, all the things I went away, this picture was there to always remind me that he was there and he loved me along the way. God says you're his prized possession you know, in this world, we can feel so insignificant. Like there's something about us that we don't matter. We matter to God. There's nobody that walks this earth that doesn't matter to God. He cares about everyone. We, re- we sang that. He says it doesn't matter. All the rich, all the poor, all the people. He loves them all. They were all his creation made in his image. You're not insignificant. You matter to God. The Bible says he knows us. He knows us by our name. He knows when we whisper his name who's saying it. The Bible says that he knew us before we were born. When we were in our mother's womb, he knew who we were then. Then. Just moving around in there. One of the greatest memories I have to tell you is Cameron when he was a little boy, when I was pregnant, you know, with him. And after I I had him and he was growing up, I remember him saying to me, I remember when I was in your belly, Mom. I said, yeah. I would swim all the way down to your toes, and I'd swim right back up again. And I'd say, yep, that's right. But it's one of my prized possessions there as a memory that I'll never, never give up. But God knew you when you were in your mother's womb. And he says once he forgives us once we ask for his forgiveness and he sat it the bible says it says he writes our name in the book of life there's a book out there there's a book that says your name your name you have legitimacy when you die and you get to those pearly gates you're here go on in your name is written in the book of life our identity comes out of god's word I think if we listen to what God would call us, when he says that we are valuable, we're his sons and daughters, we're his prized possession, that he delights in us, I think if we listen to that, we're not going to shrink back anymore. We're going to take ground. You know, the thing is that we don't have to live this life as a victim, that God, the creator of the universe, is calling us to be victorious, victors, that we can accomplish all things through him. We no longer have to think of ourselves as worthless, He calls us valuable, his prized possession, so valuable to him. We no longer think of ourselves as illegitimate children. Instead, we know that we were adopted into the family of God, sons and daughters, royalty from now on.
the one thing we won't feel is we won't feel passed over and unnoticed because we have a God that has always seen us, heard us, is aware of us. So sometimes you think, like, no, not me, not me. Maybe this other person he sees, that's a lie of the enemy. He sees you. He sees you and he loves you. Even if you right now are not in the right place, he still loves you. He might want you to accept forgiveness. He might want you, and he is always beckoning us to come closer to him. And if you think you're close enough, you're probably still not close enough because he wants us to be right up on his lap, feeling the love, putting his arm around us, showing us how much he cares and loves us, waiting for the kiss that we would give him. If you're feeling like you're too far away, all you have to do is call upon him. The Bible makes it so easy. It says even a child can do it. All you have to do is say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to make you Lord of my life. And like that, you become sons and daughters. It's not a big process. You don't have to go to adoption court. You don't have to go sign papers. He says you're, you're legitimate. You're, you're really his son and daughter if you do that simple thing. If you haven't done it, I challenge you to do that tonight. I'm telling you, it's the most valuable thing I've done in my life. The most wonderful thing I've ever done was become a daughter of the king. When we sing that, man, I can't tell you how much I love him. When I think about the fact that I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad, and my sister tried, you know, raising me, and she did a good job. But, you know, there was always a yearning for more. I think that's why having kids was so important to me. Because I so wanted to be there for them. I so wanted to be there for them. Every time they needed something, I was there. Every time they thought that they did something wrong, I was like, no, 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 you did great to encourage them. I didn't grow up with that. But now looking back, when I started reading God's word, to see how much God was there, and how much, even though I went so far astray, how much he loved me, man, I can't thank him enough. I can't thank him enough for saving my soul, for giving me an inheritance. That whether or not there's ever a name written on a tombstone, doesn't matter. I'm not going to be there anyway. I'm going to be with him, walking with him in heaven. So we cannot let our identity be stolen. If you're a child of God, don't let Satan, the accuser, tell you anything different. The enemy's always there to try to trip us up, to tell us that we aren't valuable. When God tells us valuable, he'll be right there to whisper, no, you're not. No, you're not. I saw what you did last week. I saw what you did yesterday. I heard your voice. I heard the things you said. And what you do instead is you say, no, no, Satan. I am a father. I am a son or daughter of the Father in heaven. I am a son or daughter of the king. And I really, really do have that inheritance waiting for me. We're valuable to him. We are loved by him so much. We are his prize. We're his prize. You just got to believe it. Do you believe it? See, the thing is, we've got to believe it, guys. It's got to get down deep in our soul so that we can walk with our head held high because the only way we're going to reach other people for the kingdom is if we believe it. If we don't believe it, no one else is going to believe it. That's the problem with, I think, a lot of times with people in Christianity is they do not believe that they really are who God says they are. There should be something about us that it honestly goes before us. Before we even get in a room, there's something different about us. 
something that's really heaven sent, that people are drawn to us, that they're homesick for God when they meet us, that there's something there inside of, inside of them that just all of a sudden just leaps alive. When they see the softness of our heart, their hearts break a little bit more, that they come closer and closer to God because we're there representing him. You need to believe it. You need to believe it. And if you don't believe it right now, I, I, I really pray that God shows you. I pray that when you ask him, show me how valuable I am to you, God, that he will. God never withholds anything. The Bible says he's a good God. He'll never give you something that, you know, you don't ask for. He, he's not going to give you a snake if you ask for an egg. He's not going to do those things. He's going to give you good things. He's a good God. The Bible says even if the earthly fathers can do it, how much more will your heavenly father give you good things? So what's in a name? A lot. A lot. You are prized. You are valuable. You are sons and daughters. You are royalty. I want you to walk out with your head held high, believing it, trusting in God, and he's going to do amazing things through you if you do. Let me pray for you. God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for the things that you do for us. I just pray that you help us to really receive that, that we would be encouraged, that we would know the love it is that you have for us, that you desire to, to really just change us and, and just be reflections of the love to others in the community and the people that we meet. Lord, I just pray that you would help us just to really walk out knowing that we're valuable in your prized possession. We thank you for what you're going to do and how you're going to help us to get there, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Awesome.